music really inspires me. And so especially Western swing music is kind of what first got me into making Western wear. And um, there's like kind of a rockabilly song called Jukebox Mama by Murdell Floyd. And then there's another one by Link Ray called Jukebox Mama. And that's um, a little bit more into his swamp pop phase, not so much his like surf guitar, but um, it's a fun song. And I just thought that it, it encapsulated the feeling of when your song comes on and you just have to be out on the dance floor and nothing can drag you away from the dance floor. It's your host, Senyo. Welcome back to Chasing Artists, where we get to chat with artists and creatives from all walks of life, hearing their journeys of what got them where they are today. But before we dive in to today's episode, just a quick reminder to please subscribe to the show. Whether you are listening on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, press that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on episodes. I'm so excited for you to be joining me wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for tuning in every single week to Chasing Artists. Today, we're chatting all things Western-style clothing design with designer Sari Gessner. Hi, Sari. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Zenia. Thank you so much for having me. So I like to start every episode with just how my guests and I have met or know each other. Um, and we met through audio editor Nate Bridges. I'm so glad he connected us. Yeah, I'm glad too. It's it's been great. He really enjoys working on your podcast. So I'm glad we could connect that way. Yeah. So Sari, how did you get into clothing design to begin with? Uh, I've definitely always been into it. When I was a kid, my grandma taught me how to sew and I always loved dressing up to watch Disney movies, you know, just digging around in my dress up box and putting costumes together for really whatever whatever I wanted to dress up as. I love that. That's so much fun. Were you also into like other artistic uh, mediums before like really diving into designing? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I was definitely always into, um, you know, like drawing and painting and stuff. But I think when I found sewing and really started experimenting with it in high school and got into theater, then it all just kind of came together as a way to express myself and like really create a character, you know, if it was for the stage or, or just however you wanted to be that day, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. So did you, did you go to school for costume design and, and clothing design? Yeah, I did. After high school, I went to Emerson College and studied costume design there. And uh, after that, just kind of did some design work and some sewing work in various theater costume shops or working as a at a company that made museum replicas and stuff like that so yeah getting sewing experience from all kinds of different little jobs yeah what kind of influenced your decision to pursue it full-time I guess when it came to sewing and designing that's it's just really where my passion was and what I was good at and then when I started Jukebox Mama, it it really coincided with our move to Nashville, which was about three years ago. It was in January of 2019. 
And, um, and yeah, I just kind of came here and studied with Manuel, the legendary Western tailor for about three months while kind of simultaneously working on my own stuff. And then after those three months, I just started getting busy on my own. So, um, yeah, then I just kind of started through Instagram, found an audience where people wanted to buy my work and get custom stuff made. So it's been a really great tool, you know, just going from there. Yeah. Okay. So you, I didn't realize you had moved like so recently. Did, do you think the pandemic also kind of like influenced like you being like taking this full time too? Yeah, definitely. I, I had another job after I worked with Manuel and I was working with Jonathan Kane, who he was on project runway and he was really great to work with as well. But then yeah, once we had been in the pandemic for a little while, I was like, okay, I, you know, I have enough work here with my own business and I really don't want to like go into a workplace anymore. So it's just time to do this full time. Mm-hmm. And that was only in July of 2020 that I've been doing it full time. So a bit over a year that it's been just me and my business. That's so exciting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you went to Emerson. So I'm actually from Boston. I applied to Emerson. I didn't end up going, but that's so cool. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Nate and I actually met in Boston. Uh, He went to Berkeley and I went to Emerson, but definitely have a lot of friends who, you know, live in Boston now or went to school there at one point. Yeah. What was your experience at Emerson like? And like, how did it kind of help shape you working as a professional? Uh, It was, you know, it was great. So many creative people there. And my focus when I was there was definitely on costume design for theater and stuff like that. But, um, you know, just learning how to approach a design was amazing. And I think that translates into my, my work today, which is kind of in between fashion design and costume design, because I do a lot of stage wear for musicians. And, and, you know, anybody can buy my stuff. It's definitely not only for performers, but I do love creating an outfit that really gets somebody in the zone. And that has a huge thing to do with costume design, you know, and that can really get a performer in the right headspace to perform or celebrate an album they've worked on, you know, literally through embroidery, the motifs that they talk about in one of their songs, stuff like that. That's so cool. I totally hear you on on like getting into the zone and getting that character into the zone. I mean, I I used to be an actor and putting the costume on, it was like becoming a whole new, you know, it was just like adding that element of, of uh, getting into it. So I totally hear you. Definitely. Yeah, I found that when I was in high school, I did acting as well. And now that seems very far away for me. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm definitely not a true actor, but... Um, you know, getting into costume really always transformed my headspace. So I I get how important it is for performance to have that. Yeah. What's your design process like from like start to finish? Like just walk us through your process. Yeah. Well, it depends on, on how far my customer has gone into ideas they may have, but it's really all across the board, the starting place, you know, I've worked with some people who really don't have an idea of what they want yet. And then, uh, you know, if it's for a wedding suit, which is what I've been doing a lot of lately, I might ask them where they're from, if they have any favorite flowers or if their family does, their partner does, uh, 
I love incorporating local wildlife into a suit. I think that's a really beautiful way to make it personal. Um, and then, and some people, they might want something more like a replica of, of vintage Western wear that they've seen on somebody, you know, maybe it's some, something that Buck Owens wore or Hank Williams, um, or inspiration from anywhere really. But yeah, so I, I talk with my customer and see where they want to go with it. And then at that point, I take a deposit, send them a measurements sheet and have them fill that out so I can make sure to get the right fit. And I usually do a sketch for them so they can visualize it. And that part actually takes me a while because I, I, I like to get into the sewing and the embroidery of everything, but it, it is really important for the customer to see it. So I totally get that that's, you know, it's great for the customer and it's helpful for me to get it out as well, you know, into a visual medium, but yeah. And then from there I get into cutting out the fabric, sketching out the embroidery, doing the embroidery, adding rhinestones if there are any and sewing it all together. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about a little bit more about um, incorporating, you said local wildlife or, or wildflowers. That's so cool. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, uh, I actually just finished up and shipped out a suit for a friend of mine who lives in Texas and yeah, she is getting married soon. And we did a cream colored suit covered in Texas wildflowers. So I did some blue bonnets, some purple coneflowers, Indian blanket, and then we did cardinals on the top of the sleeve, you know? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a way to kind of personalize, you know, floral stuff always looks great, but if you go with floral motifs that are from where you're from, it just adds an extra element of like personalization to it. Yeah. That's so cool. I love, I'm so obsessed. My brain is just like obsessing over that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. And I have another suit coming up um, and it's a new Orleans themed suit. So we're going to do like alligators, oysters, uh, magnolia, all kinds of things that just kind of um, encapsulate New Orleans. That's so fun. Oh, I bet that's like all the juices flowing when it comes to New Orleans. Oh yeah, definitely. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be covered in all kinds of embroidery and rhinestones. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned that you're doing a lot of uh like wedding suits right now how did that come about well I think that a wedding is a great opportunity for you to get something that's very personal and then also you know it's a time when people are willing to drop some money on an outfit and it's just a good excuse I think to get the kind of outfit that you want and it's you know it doesn't always have to be so traditional anymore which is awesome so yeah I mean I've been getting a lot of people reaching out and really creative stuff for a wedding. I love to hear it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not just the basic white dress anymore. Yeah, that's so fun. I, I definitely was thinking of like, yeah, it's, it can be so so much more personalized, which is cool because you do, all your stuff is custom custom made. Yeah, yeah. I I would like to get more ready to wear stuff available, but just with the amount of customs that I have, it's it's hard to find the time to build up an inventory, which is a very good problem to have. But yeah, the next step will be scaling it up and having 
you know, being able to take advantage of the demand a little bit better and being able to have stuff available for people to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. How did how did you come up with the name Jukebox Mama? Well, uh, there are two different songs called Jukebox Mama. And when I was brainstorming, I music really inspires me. And so especially Western swing music is kind of what first got me into making Western wear. And um, there's like kind of a rockabilly song called Jukebox Mama by Murdell Floyd. And then there's another one by Link Ray called Jukebox Mama. And that's um, a little bit more into his swamp pop phase, not so much his like surf guitar, but um, it's a fun song. And I just thought that it, it encapsulated the feeling of when your song comes on and you just have to be out on the dance floor and nothing can drag you away from the dance floor. So I just really related to that. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. And it like, yeah. I, that totally ties into like how personalized I feel like your stuff will get. That's so cool. Cause it like, it's, like yeah, really it's... like speaking to your customer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's all kinds of songs like with terminology, like honky tonk angel or something like that. And, you know, that's kind of fun, but I feel like a jukebox mama is just kind of like that feeling you get when your song comes on. Yeah. And it like, I love the fact that you're in Nashville, like it all, it all kind of like, just like, you know, like that feeling when it's like, oh, it's all coming together. Like that's yeah, like, I feel yeah. like that's what I'm hearing. I love that. Yeah. It's funny how it happened that way, but I feel that way too. Yeah. Cause were you, so you were in Boston, you met Nate in Boston, but were you in Los Angeles with him as well? Yeah. So I've, I've kind of bounced around all over the place, but, uh, after Boston, uh, Nate went and did a master's program in Spain and I moved to Austin, Texas for a couple of years. And we kind of uh, we took a break for that time, but then after I was in Austin for three years and just kind of getting immersed in the music culture and Western wear and all that, then I moved to LA and I was only there for like a little over a year, but Nate had been there for several years. And then, yeah, once we reconnected, we just got back together right away, you know, and, you know, we just couldn't stay apart in that way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And then I got a chain stitch machine shortly after in 2018, I think. And so I was kind of starting to make Western wear. And then once I got the chain stitch embroidery machine, that just kind of like all fell into place because I could do embroidery so much faster than doing it by hand. And yeah, after experimenting with that and moving to Nashville, then it all came together uh, in 2019, I would say. Mm -hmm. What is, wait, what's the, a chain stitch machine? Yeah. So that's the embroidery machine that I use for all of my work. And it's a vintage machine from the thirties. And it does this kind of like looping embroidery that you see on vintage Western wear. And it's all hand cranked with this crank underneath the machine. So that's actually how you direct the needle. It, it looks like you're pushing it around on the top, but it's actually, it's interesting. It's definitely something to get used to. And I was expecting when I first got the machine, but it's pretty cool. And it's, it's an amazing tool to have, to be able to do that embroidery, you know, and it still takes a while, but so much faster than doing it by hand. Yeah. 
That's I so I know absolutely nothing about designing and sewing and, and anything like that. So I'm also just like really enjoying hearing about all of this. Um but yeah, I was thinking like that how if you were to do with something by hand, how long would it take versus using the using a machine? Well, honestly, it would probably be like if I were to do one of the roses that or maybe you know two roses I don't remember exactly because it's been a while since I timed myself doing hand embroidery but I did some roses on a jacket it took maybe 30 hours and I could do that in 30 minutes with my machine you know so it's huge yeah Yeah. (laughs) my gosh (laughs) talk about hand cramping oh yeah (laughs) I bet though I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I bet it's like it's valuable to know how to do by hand as well Yeah, I would say so. Cause then I can go in, you know, after I do all the embroidery, there's still these little tails of the thread that need to be tied off. And at that point I can go in and, you know, if a leaf has a little loop at the end made by the thread, I can go in and just kind of clean that up and make it look a little bit tighter. So it does come in handy for little details and stuff like that. Like, do you have like any, like in like, I didn't ask this in the script, so I apologize. But do you have any any notable like influences who really influence your work or like influence your journey into what you're doing now? Definitely some of the original like Western wear tailors of the 40s and 50s. Like to start with, there's there's Nudie Cohn who did the nudie suits. And um, that's probably he's probably the most well known when people think of rhinestone Western wear suits. And then um, there's a bunch of other amazing ones from that era, like Rodeo Ben, Nathan Turk, uh, stuff like that. But then Manuel studied from Nudie, and then I got to study from him. So he's definitely an inspiration as well. And, and then some more modern people who are doing it are Jerry Lee Atwood of Union Western Clothing. And he did like Post Malone and Lil Nas X's suits. Um, and then I have a whole bunch of, other friends who are in chain stitch embroidery who always inspire me. And uh, it's amazing. The scene, you kind of expect fashion to be like kind of cutthroat, but everyone in the Western wear scene and in the chain stitch embroidery machine or scene that I've met has been very welcoming and supportive. And, you know, if we don't have time for a project, we might send it to someone else. So um, I've been very pleasantly surprised by everyone I've met through that. Yeah, that's cool. So what's like, what's next for you? Do you have anything like big or notable that, that you're, that you're coming up on? I have a lot of suits I'm excited about that, um, are coming up, but I guess the next thing that I really want to work on besides doing the customs all the time is like I said, uh, expanding so I can have more ready to wear stuff and working with a pattern maker who specializes in inclusive sizing so I can get patterns for, a larger range of sizes, just like really dialed in for like larger bodies, you know? Um, cause I just really want to get that right. Cause everybody deserves to have amazing custom Western wear made for them, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Ex- definitely excited about that. And, uh, I have a lot of ideas. We'll just see when I get to them, you know? Oh, totally. <laughs> I hear you on that. Is there not like, like, like what, can you talk about the sizing a little bit more? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah. So I can make things for people of all sizes, but having patterns that are graded specifically for larger bodies, you know, it's the way it works is that it, 
people get larger in different ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to find garments that fit correctly. And you can't just grade everything up and expect it to fit. Like there's certain things you have to do to really get it right. And, and while I can work with people individually, I'm looking forward to having an expert really dial in these patterns so I can hand them off to other people to help me make these because I can approach each garment individually and make sure that they fit each customer. But to have a standardized set of sizes that people can go to and know, okay, that one's going to fit me. Um, that will just be really important for, for growing the company to make sure I can just have more stuff available if I have more people helping me make things. Yeah. And is, so is that, there's not already like patterns, like how, do, how, do, how does a pattern work? There are patterns for certain things out there, but for a lot of things that I make, I, I've drafted the patterns from, you know, there's a lot of different ways I can get my patterns. Sometimes I'll, I'll actually copy it from a garment. I'll take an existing vintage pair of pants and I'll be mapping out on a piece of paper uh, where everything is so I can make another pair. And sometimes I have a vintage pattern of Western suit that I'll, that I'll use and I'll kind of like grade it up or down to fit each customer. But yeah, for some of the styles that I make most often, having the pattern made by a professional and, and graded to fit different sizes will just be great. So I don't have to do each customer's sizes every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that you're doing that. I mean, I hear stories all the time of like, designers refusing to make something for somebody because they're a certain size. And I'm like, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. That is horrible. That's yeah. The opposite of what I want to do. So I, and I'm glad to see a lot more companies are working on their inclusive sizing, but um, definitely everybody has a long way to go on that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Myself included. Yeah. There's a lot to learn and a lot to, Uh, work on in that regard Mm -hmm. I think it's also interesting like I mean I remember seeing this like random Facebook post this was years ago but it was like somebody had taken a pair of American Eagle shorts and it was one particular size um and then put like several years later had bought like basically the same shorts in a different size or like it was they were like the same looking at them. They were the same size, but the label, it was like four to six sizes increase. And it's, it's also like the marketing of like, okay, well, how are we even like, what is sizing and like what, you know, like, yes, there's a lot happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so confusing. And I, I really hate that about commercial sizing. Like, you know, we think of sizing as being something that is standardized and real, but it really is not you know, any store you go into, you could be getting a different size. And even pants that are, that say they're like a 34 waist or whatever, like if you actually measure it, it's probably not, you know, which is just, it blows my mind that that's even allowed, you know? So yeah, it's, it's tricky. I always ask for my customers measurements for that reason, because sizes mean nothing to me. (laughs) You know, I, I got to go by the measurements. Otherwise you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Is that, do you think that that's also like, is that the same for guys or do you think that's very targeted for women? I think that it probably is a bigger problem in women's sizing, but I absolutely think it's true for guys too. Like it's happened to me before where 
a customer has given me what they think their pants size is, but they didn't measure around their waist. And the pants I made were like a good four or five inches too small for them. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is a nightmare because, (laughs) you know, it's like I made the pants wrong, but like, I wish I would have known, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's strange. It's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. What's like, what, how do you measure? Like when you're, if you're asking for somebody's measurements, what are, what are you looking for? I try to be somewhat specific in certain measurements that I take, like arm length. A lot of times that's measured from the center of the back, but I like to do it just from the shoulder seam to the edge of the sleeve. Cause then I can just be sure, okay, that's how long the sleeve is going to be, you know? And, um, when I ask for their waist, I'll usually do natural waist and waist at pants. If that's different, you know, I mean, that can also depend that can differ between men and women. A lot of probably more women will wear something at their natural waist, you know, like a high waisted skirt or something, but yeah, I just, I always make sure to ask waist at pants, wherever you're going to wear it, because that's what's really going to matter there, you know? And yeah, I have a whole measurements sheet that goes quite in depth, but then I always tell people they can take it to a local tailor and have them do the measurements just so they're sure, you know, they're not just having, they're not just doing it by themselves or having somebody who isn't familiar with taking measurements doing that. Yeah. I could imagine that there could also be like room for user error if you're doing it, you're trying to take your own measurements. I'm just thinking about like, if I were to try to take my own measurements, I'd be like, I don't even know where my shoulder is. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It it can be a little confusing. And I've been seeing people lately that I follow on Instagram doing little videos or infographics on on where to measure and stuff like that. And I think that's helpful. And I should probably film something like that soon just to have that resource there. Yeah, definitely. I think I think uh, education and information and, and having like an abundance of information can just go so such a long way. Yeah, definitely. So before we jump to final five, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you would like to share? If anybody listening is interested in getting something made, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. I usually book several months in advance and I'm already getting some questions about wedding suits for 2022. So, so yeah, if anybody's interested, please feel free to reach out. And your website handle and Instagram handle are in the bio. So listeners can go directly there to find that information as well. Yay. Okay. So final five is uh, technically speed round, but it's never speed round. So question one, (laughs) what's your favorite piece that you've designed so far? One of my favorites, because I feel like I always have new favorites all the time, but um, one of them is this sweetheart of the rodeo suit that I made for Jim McGuinn, who's the grandson of Roger McGuinn of the birds. And it was a kind of a tribute to his grandfather um, in that the back of the suit had that iconic album cover of the the sweetheart of the rodeo, like the woman, the cowgirl woman with the the flowers around her and stuff like that. And then the rest of the suit had like lasso ropes and saguaro cactus blossoms all over it. 
So that was definitely one of the most heavily embroidered pieces I've done so far. And it was just really cool to be able to honor that musical legacy for him that he's continuing on because he's in a band now as well called the Cosmic Cowboys. So that's so fun. Second question. Do you have a dream project or person to to design for? I've got to say Orville Peck would be amazing. I love everything he does, his music, his vibe. Yeah. And a friend of mine, Jen, shot from the past. She's been sourcing a lot of vintage for him and his band lately. So I love to see that. I love to see her working with them so much. So that would be cool. I think maybe someday it'll happen. Hopefully. Manifest it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Question three. What's something you'd tell your past and future self? I guess I would say just keep doing what inspires you and put it out there, even if you think it might not be ready yet. Because I think early on, I struggled with wanting to have something very, very presentable to just, you know, worrying too much about what people would think about it when you're first starting out. Yeah. But just going for it is the way to go. That's, yeah, I I can understand that. Um, question four, what advice do you have for designers just starting out? I think kind of related to that last question, you know, um, you know, just put it out there, but also find what you like making and keep refining those styles. And then, yeah, just share your work. Don't be afraid and use Instagram as a tool. You know, it's, it inspires me to see other people's work and, and commenting and like talking to them. It, you know, only good can come of that. You can share their work. They might share your work. It's, it's a good tool and it's also just fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. Last question. What's your biggest takeaway from your journey up to now? Um, I, I think just that you don't need to follow a traditional career path to carve out a place for yourself. I mean, especially as an artist, you know, traditional career path, that doesn't, that doesn't really even mean anything, I guess. But, um, if you have a dream of what you you want your life to be, you can carve that out for yourself. It's possible. Yeah, that's huge. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that's a good one. And I mean like yeah. There's I think there there's like four like a millennial will have four different careers in their lifetime now. Like it's career like <laughs> yeah. what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for chatting. This has been really good. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Zenya. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have enjoyed your time today. Please take a minute to press that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, Google Play. And if you liked today's episode, please rate and leave a review. It would mean so much to me and it helps more listeners like you find this podcast. You can connect with our guests and myself on social media. All of our information and more is listed in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Senya. See you next time.